0: team, these mental health episodes may be distressing for some listeners. There is mention of substance abuse and suicide throughout this episode. If this isn't for you right now, maybe skip this one and come back when you feel ready. If you find yourself in need of help or support at any time, please call Beyond Blue on 1300 4636 or head to beyondblue.org.au to chat to someone online today. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode, just a normal old one with me again, but I thought this one was quite a good topic to cover this week. I hope, firstly, that you guys have all had a great week. Again, sorry about skipping on how's your head. I've just had end of term, so our school does four weeks of early commencement. I've got new classes starting Monday, and honestly, it was just stressing me out a bit, if I'm honest, which is of course not the point. How's your head? I love promoting good mental health, but I also need to take care of mine. I will be back this week, however, and I'm just, I'm so excited to be moving on to next year when I've got so much more time to focus on the pod and I can just do a lot more, put a lot more effort in. So, Please bear with me for the last few weeks of this year. It will definitely change coming into the new year next year. And as always, thank you for being so patient and being on my side here. Absolutely love you guys. So let's get into today's episode. Enough of me rambling on. Today we are talking all about the link between drug taking, particularly substance abuse, and mental health with a focus on depression. Now, according to Beyond Blue, over 500,000 Australians will experience depression and substance abuse at the same time, at some point in their lives. This is a huge statistic, and I'm not going to be around the bloody bush here. Illicit drug use is becoming more and more common here in Australia. In fact, according to the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare, an estimated 9 million or 43% of people aged 14 and over in Australia had used illicit drugs at some point in their lives. Now that's from the 2019 drug and alcohol survey. It was also reported that from 2016 to 2019, there was an increase in the use of cannabis, cocaine, ecstasy, hallucinogens, inhalants, and ketamine. Now, the statistics are from this time because the new 2022 National Drug Strategy Household Survey was actually completed in July this year. So we will see more, I guess, current stats coming. At the end of the day, whether someone experiences substance abuse or takes drugs recreationally, it can all affect your mental health. So firstly, recreational drug use is defined as using drugs or substances for enjoyment rather than for medical reasons or under medical supervision. It's also often that users of recreational drugs think that this kind of sporadic consumption can't be addictive. Now, if you have listened to some of my other episodes relating to drugs, I have done a few now, you will know that that is not always the case. So make sure you head over there if you're interested in learning a bit more about that. Substance abuse, however, can be defined as use that actually begins to interfere with your day-to-day functioning, your health, and your quality of life. Substance abuse is also directly linked with depression. Again, any kinds of drug use, so substance abuse or recreational use, can cause symptoms of depression or make an existing mental health problem worse. This is because Drugs actually change the chemicals in our brain, which can affect the way that a person feels, acts, the thoughts that they have, and the decisions that they make. And we will talk a bit more about the brain soon. To begin though, let's talk a bit more about depression, what this is, and what it can look like. So depression is a common, but very serious mood disorder. According to Better Health, In any one year, around 1 million people in Australia will experience depression. Depression affects the way a person feels, thinks, handles daily activities. So for example, things like sleeping, eating, or working. And it's important to note that having depression as a mental illness is different from experiencing depressive symptoms or having a feeling of being depressed. It is different from, you know, feeling that sad, low, moody kind of emotion every now and again. Depression occurs when a person feels these emotions really intensely and for long periods of time. This can be years for some people, and it kind of happens for no apparent reason. Depression can affect quality of life and can result in people developing self-harm behaviors or even taking their own life. What are some symptoms of depression? What are some things that we should look out for? Now, symptoms can be split into thoughts, feelings, behaviors, and physical symptoms as well. People experiencing depression may find it really hard to enjoy the activities that they would normally enjoy. They might lose interest in things they normally like, and they might feel like things would be easier or better off if they just weren't here anymore. Another thing that it's important to note here is that everyone experiences mental health illnesses differently and not everyone will have the same signs and symptoms. So it could be a collection of a few. It could be just some of them. It could be all of them. It's totally different from person to person. Some common feelings for people experiencing depression include sadness, feelings of being overwhelmed, irritable, lacking confidence, being indecisive, or having an inability to concentrate. Some thoughts people might experience are things like I'm a failure, I am unworthy, nothing is going right in my life, nothing will change, or you know, life is not worth living. Some common behaviors include withdrawal from social events, withdrawal from normally very enjoyable activities for that person, maybe not attending work, school, or even being reliant on drugs and alcohol to cope with the mental illness. And lastly, some physical symptoms might include being really lethargic or tired, experiencing sleep problems, experiencing illness in other ways or being susceptible to illness, rapid weight gain or rapid weight loss, self-harm, and even suicide. Moving on now, let's talk about the causes of depression. We know that one cause is, of course, drug and alcohol use. We know that drug and alcohol use can actually increase the risk of developing depression, and depression can increase the risk of someone developing substance abuse. Other causes, however, include family history, so genetic risks, Personality, for example, someone having low self-esteem, being highly worried or stress, being sensitive to criticism, particularly personal criticism, being quite negative. Of course, these personality factors can be caused by childhood experiences as well. Medical symptoms is another one. So this could be, you know, stress resulting from an illness or disease, especially if this illness is long-term and affects the quality of life. And life events that cause stress or harm over a long-term period. So this could be things like unemployment, abuse, isolation or loneliness, which we know was particularly a problem in COVID, relationship troubles or stress from work. So today, as I've said, we are focusing on the link between depression and the use of drugs and alcohol. Obviously, the type of drug is going to differ how the brain reacts and therefore how it might develop into a certain mental health condition like depression. For example, cannabis and alcohol are both depressants, so they slow down the brain function and can affect cognitive abilities. Whereas drugs like cocaine and MDMA tend to actually elevate moods at the time of use. But afterwards, during the come down, people can crash into depression. Again, I've done episodes on all four of these drugs. So if you want more individual information on these ones, make sure you go check those out. Now, importantly, as we speak about in other episodes as well, you never really know what is in illicit drugs. Therefore, you can never fully understand or premeditate how you will react to them. That is always going to be a risk. And we know Depression and substance disorders or substance use, they are both a risk factor for one another. So why is it that depression can increase the risk of using and abusing substances? People might use drugs to manage or ease symptoms of depression, and this is otherwise known as self-medicating. In particular, people may turn to drug and alcohol use to manage their feelings around these mental health conditions. So using drugs can actually make feelings of hopelessness or anxiety or irritability or just those really negative thoughts actually go away for a short period of time. However, in the long term, it makes them worse. So why do people self-medicate? According to Healthline, it helps to minimize unwanted emotions, so it can help to kind of make people numb or switch those really bad feelings off, so often used as a distraction in this way. It can increase mood, so increase those good feelings, or it helps people to kind of feel anything at all. It can help with sleep, so as we talked about, depression can cause people to lack sleep or develop insomnia. Drugs might actually act as sedatives in this way. And stimulant drugs are known to boost energy levels for short periods of time, so when people need to get things done, they might use these drugs in order to do that. Now at the end of the day, self-medicating is just a temporary fix to a very serious problem that will inevitably come back. When you don't actually treat the underlying condition, you're not able to get the results that you need. It actually inhibits recovery to self-medicate in this way. Also adding on here, when people develop a tolerance to a drug, it means that they need more of it to feel the same effects. This is also something that can occur when people use drugs and alcohol in order to self-medicate. It can cause people to have dependence and therefore dependence can increase the risk of developing addiction. So that question was, can depression increase the risk of substance use or abuse? Yes. Now let's talk about whether substance use can increase the risk of depression. It can definitely play a part and increases risks of depressive symptoms. Now, there are four main ways that this happens. Again, this is according to Healthline. Drugs actually cause inflammation. This is the first one. So short-term release of dopamine in the brain produces feelings of pleasure at the time, but can also increase inflammation in the brain. Inflammation actually makes it harder for the brain to produce those happy chemicals like serotonin, like dopamine on its own. So again, this is one of those things that people experience a high or that euphoric feeling for a short period of time, but on the long term, it's not helpful at all. The second one here is cortisol. So drugs can increase chemicals related to stress. According to article MDMA, cortisol and heightened stress in recreational ecstasy users from behavior pharmacology, people who participate in regular MDMA use have shown to have up to four times the level of the stress hormone cortisol in their bodies. This is compared to those who don't use the drug at all. Four times the amount is huge. And as we know, stress is not good for the body. It is not good for the immune system and it is not good for us long-term. The third one here is withdrawal. So the brain, as I talked about, can get used to certain substances. Now, stopping this use suddenly can actually cause people to feel really low or numb due to the brain needing time to adjust and produce the levels of serotonin and dopamine that it was producing normally prior to the drug use. And the fourth one here is isolation. So this kind of drug use can sabotage work and relationships or schoolwork. It can increase loneliness and social isolation can of course increase the chances of developing depression. Now, I talked about a whole bunch of different drugs here. I spoke about cocaine, MDMA, we talked about cannabis, blah, blah, blah. Let's break it down into the two kind of, I want to say, main types of drugs. We've got, there is more than this, but we're just going to talk about depressants and stimulants. So firstly, let's look at depression and depressants. Now, at first, people might hear the name of this and go, yeah, of course there would be a link. But depressants don't just automatically cause depression. They are called depressants because they depress the central nervous system. Now, depressant drugs include things like alcohol, cannabis, GHB, or opioids. Heroin, for example, is a type of opiate. Now, as I said, depressants are drugs that slow brain activity. So it affects the neurons in the CNS, in the central nervous system. And this is because there is an increase in activity of GABA, which slows down brain activity and also other basic functions in the body. Now, at the time of use, this can make a person feel really euphoric. They might have increased alertness or even heightened feelings or senses of well-being. However, in higher doses or in the long term, they can also increase the risk of depression and suicidal thoughts and withdrawal can also cause symptoms of depression. So that's depression and depressants. Let's look at depression and stimulants. Now, stimulant drugs are drugs such as nicotine, amphetamines and cocaine. According to how stimulants affect the brain and behavior from treatment of stimulus use disorders, use of stimulants actually increases the amount of dopamine in the brain, which can enhance mood and increase motivation at the time. Of course, this is short lived. As the dopamine levels subside after a person has no longer taken the drug, they actually subside to a normal amount those really euphoric or pleasurable feelings start to fade. Now, with repeated use, these dopamine stores become depleted for a period, and this is when someone might experience a comedown. This can result in depressive symptoms, low mood, and suicidal ideation. This is also, again, how people can become dependent or addicted. They might find that they are constantly chasing a high and that really you know, euphoric feeling that your brain is now struggling to create on its own. The cocaine addiction cycle from the cocaine episode, I think it was episode two or three that I did, can help to explain this as well. Moving on now, let's talk about some other risk factors for mental illness and substance use or addiction. There can be many other reasons a person develops mental illness or substance addiction, and I just think it would be silly of me not to touch on that in this episode. I did talk about a couple of them very briefly when I was talking about causes of depression, so let's look at a few more in a bit more detail now. Now, all of this information I'm about to share here is from the research report, Why Is There Comorbidity Between Substance Use Disorders and Mental Illnesses? So the first one here I'm going to talk about is genetic vulnerabilities. Now, specific genetic factors can actually affect how a person responds to a drug, how long the drugs remain in the body, predisposition to alcohol dependence, cocaine dependence, heavy opioid use, and cannabis cravings or withdrawal. Genes can also impact the way a person responds to stress, which can cause an increase in risk-taking behaviors, which can also affect development of a substance use disorder or mental illness. The second one here is brain region involvement. So pathways in the brain that are responsible for reward, decision-making, impulse control, and emotion can be affected by substances and depression. As we spoke about earlier, substance use disorders and mental illness also affect systems of neurotransmitters like dopamine, serotonin, or GABA. The third one here is environmental factors. This one's nice and quick. Environmental factors are associated with an increased risk for substance use and mental illness, and slash or mental illness, should I say. Fourth one here is stress. So this is also a risk factor for both substance use disorders or mental illness. Now, stress responses are controlled by the HPA axis, which I think is the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis from memory. This might actually sound familiar. If you listen to the MDMA episode, we talk about it a bit more in there. But basically, if a person experiences both mental illness or substance abuse or use, It actually limits activity in the prefrontal cortex, which can lead to limited behavior control and increased impulsivity. It can also impair motivation and learning as well. And the last one I'm gonna talk about here is trauma and other adverse childhood experiences. So mental illness or use disorders can be a consequence of PTSD or used as a way to cope. Let's talk about a really, really, really important part of this episode, and this is all about getting treatment or help or providing support to someone in your life. Now, it is good news that both substance use disorders and depression are treatable and are manageable. It is, however, pretty scary to learn about the statistics with, you know, illicit drug use being on the rise and mental health conditions and drug use being so related. There is such a focus on mental health right now, and it's just so important to know and understand not only the facts like you're learning in the start of this episode, but also how to support people. And that's because evidently for some people, there is also a culture of drug use here in Australia. I've said this in other episodes, but it's absolutely okay to break the habits of going out and getting smashed with your mates. Just because it's something you've always done or that's how you communicate, that's how you hang out with each other, doesn't mean that's what you have to continue to do. It's also never okay to peer pressure your friends into doing something like illicit drugs or even binge drinking alcohol for that matter, which I know is legal, but we should be encouraging the people around us to take care of themselves and of course their own health. Firstly, let's talk about treatment for depression. I will isolate these two as if we're talking about them separately here because there are different ways of treating depression as the mental illness and then treating substance abuse and use on its own or with mental illness attached to that as well. So treatment for depression. What actually will happen if you seek treatment? Now, generally people head to their GP for this, their general practitioner, your local doctor. Your GP should ask you about symptoms, about support that you have in your life, maybe about mental illness or mental health history. They should provide information on how to cope and help you to source information for that. And then they should recommend various treatment options. Now, the severity of the depression will depend on the treatment given, of course. Some lifestyle changes that will always be considered are cutting down stress levels, increasing exercise, and not using alcohol or other drugs, which after this episode, we know. Now, according to the Department of Health and Age Care, common treatment options include psychological therapy. So again, totally individual. This can include a therapy like cognitive behavioral therapy and interpersonal therapy. These two have shown to be the most effective when it comes to depression. And of course, medication such as antidepressants can be provided as well Depression involves changes in brain chemistry and the medication like antidepressants can correct this imbalance. And again, there will be conversations and tests done individually to determine which type of medication a person may be placed on. All right, let's now talk about treatment for substance abuse. So drug and alcohol abuse is characterized by compulsive or uncontrollable seeking and usage of substances despite the harmful consequences. Addiction treatment aims to not only stop a person using the drugs, obviously, but also wants those who experience the addiction to stay drug free and actually be productive within their relationships or their work or just within society in general. Just like the depression treatment, this is going to be really individual. There is no single treatment for everyone. According to the National Institute on Drug Abuse, Very common treatments include behavioral counseling, and again, those lifestyle changes, medication, medication devices or applications that actually help with symptoms of withdrawal, evaluation and treatment for mental health issues that might occur like anxiety and depression, and long-term follow-up to prevent a relapse, which means uh, preventing a person from falling back into those drug-taking habits again. Now, depending on the severity of the abuse or addiction, these things might be done in a rehabilitation facility or just with someone's support systems. It just depends on the individual. Some readily available support for people at any time include 12 step alcohol anonymous programs or drug programs. I will link a few of these in the show notes. Of course, counseling, going and seeing your local GP, as well as contacting Lifeline on 131114. Alrighty, Let's move on now and talk about how to help yourself, but also how to help your mates. This is kind of the final part of this episode. We did already speak briefly about the lifestyle changes, but let's look at them in a little bit more detail now. So the first one we're going to talk about is exercising and eating well. And I'm sure if you guys are regular listeners of this podcast, you will be so sick of me saying that, but I will never stop talking about just how much we underestimate just exercise and eating well. And I know I say just, I probably shouldn't add that in there because it can be something that is a big struggle for some people. But this should be the first kind of step, the first thing besides seeking help that we aim to change. That lifestyle change, this is a massive, massive one. And that's because eating well and exercising links into so many other areas and helps us to thrive in so many other areas of our health. Exercise also burns up those stress chemicals that we've spoken about in this episode and promotes relaxation. So, it really does promote feelings of well being and improves our health and our well being by releasing those happy hormones. So, this could be a new way for a person to get that high feeling, that really euphoric feeling through exercise, through taking care of yourself like that. In addition to all of this, sports or group exercise can reduce feelings of loneliness and isolation, and can even increase levels of confidence or self-esteem. So important when we're talking about mental health. We, I often feel like there is that shift that we've seen in our, I guess, culture or our society where we're exercising for our health now, not what we look like. And I think that is really, really important. And I know there's so much information out there. Aim for 30 minutes to an hour every day of moderate to vigorous. Just aim for that. Even if you can only get 20 in, any movement is better than none. The second thing I want to talk about here is staying connected. Catching up with friends is absolutely critical to well-being. Even a text message saying, Hey, and having a quick exchange like that can really help you feel connected. If you want more than this, joining a social group is always a good idea. There could be an interest or a hobby that you have and maybe you want to find some like-minded people. We are so lucky with the internet these days that we can look these things up, so maybe that's something that you could uh, give a try to stay connected. And the third thing here is opening up the conversation. And that is exactly what we are doing here and what you can now do with the knowledge that you have learned today. Talking about how you're feeling, making it normal, making it a very active part of your life will be really beneficial to helping your mental health. And of course, I totally understand that being vulnerable is really hard, but it's an important almost an important skill to work on. And maybe you're sitting here thinking, I don't have a good support system around me, but there is always, always support available. It does not matter who you are or where you're from. There are companies and organizations whose whole purpose is to be there for people. So once again, lifelines number 131114 if you're in need of that at any time. There should be no shame or stigma around doing this. They are there to help you. That is what the support services are for. Make sure you use that if you need it. All right, let's talk about how to help your mates now. So that was how to help yourself. The first thing I want to talk about here is checking in. So again, just sending a message, making a phone call, asking the question. If you want some inspiration for this, I do this, I want to say every week, but I haven't been too good at it yet at the moment. But how's your head? Have a listen to those episodes if you just want to hear some genuine conversations of people checking in with each other. And I know that sometimes this can feel awkward, but I think feeling awkward about a conversation is better, way better than losing someone to mental illness. So just make the call. If someone does disclose something with you that you think, you know, maybe their health is in jeopardy or you're worried about them, you can also push them into the direction of professional support if needed, or contact any of those helplines that I've talked about in this episode already and let them know. Of course, letting other people in your life know that you trust could be a really good thing to do as well. Another thing here is to support your mates in their decisions. Do not be the person to drag a friend back into bad habits, whether that is drug taking or excessive drinking, just kind of because you feel like it, or you're having fun, or that's how you have your friendship. Make sure that your friend knows your friendship is about more than that. Go and do something that is good for both of you together. Now, I know this is a massive hot topic in men's mental health in particular at the moment. My partner's been doing this too he's obsessed with golf. It's like he turned 28 and all of a sudden he just wants to play golf for his whole life, which is great. But that is literally what he does with his mates now. He goes and plays golf with his friends and they love it. It's like having a chat on a nice sunny day, doing some exercise to go with it. It is honestly so lovely. I really, really like that that is something that has come up and about. I don't know, maybe it's always been there and it's just not been on my radar. And I feel like more people care about golf now for some reason, but that is an idea. You could even start running together. You could go bowling. You could walk. You could, you know, watch your favorite show together. You could go to a destination. You could go to brunch. You could make dinner. I don't know. The list is endless. You could literally do a million other things than go to the pub and drink alcohol or go out and take drugs. There is a million other things that you can do. And I think that in order to show that your mates that you care, that you support them, you need to actually action that and actually support them. Now, in addition to all of this, the professional help that you can find either for yourself or for someone else includes doctors, so your local GP or otherwise, you can always go to the emergency department if that is what you need as well. Psychologists or psychiatrists, school counsellor, if you are of that age group, you could go or contact your community health centre. There are support groups available. Again, I will link some in the show notes. You could always contact Beyond Blue on 1300 224636 or Lifeline on 131114. So, finishing up this episode, depression and substance use and abuse can sometimes go hand in hand. And statistically, we have seen that that is something that is quite common. Both can contribute to the other. As I've talked about, depression is a very common and very serious mental health condition. Make sure if you are a person who uses drugs or drinks alcohol and you feel like you may experience any of the symptoms spoken about today, please talk to someone. It could be a professional, a friend, an anonymous support hotline or chat line or whatever it is. Just make sure you check in. Just make sure you talk to someone. Also consider how these things are affecting you and the people around you or your friends, your family. Check in with your mates. Do the right bloody thing and put your health first. Thank you so much for listening today. Thank you so much as always for the ongoing support. If you are a new listener here, I hope that you learned something. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, it would help me so much if you could like, follow or subscribe wherever you are listening, even leave me a review. I haven't had one of those for a while, so I would love that as well. Have a wonderful week. I promise that I'll be back in your ears on Thursday for How's Your Head This Week. See you later.